One of them laughed, then cussed me out in a low voice. I couldn't think of anything to say. There just isn't a whole lot you can say while waiting to get mugged, so I kept my mouth shut. Need a haircut, greaser? The medium-sized blonde pulled a knife out of his back pocket and flipped the blade open. I finally thought of something to say. No. I was backing up, away from that knife. Of course I backed right into one of them. They had me down in a second. They had my arms and legs pinned down and one of them was sitting on my chest with his knees on my elbows. And if you don't think that hurts, you're crazy. I fought to get loose and almost did for a second. Then they tightened up on me and the one on my chest slugged me a couple of times. So I lay still, swearing at them between gasps. A blade was held against my throat. How'd you like that haircut to begin just below the chin? What's up, everybody? It's Nelson. Episode 2, Homies Lit. Today, we're going to be talking about The Outsiders, written by S.E. Hinton. Alright, what's up, everybody? This is Randy. So, before we jump into the book, we want to talk about the author. Who she is, uh, particularly how she presented herself to us as readers. Again, as Nelson told us, she presented her name as S.E. Hinton instead of giving her actual name, which is Suzanne Eloise Hinton. And this is something we kind of wanted to point out because you'll notice it in other books. The, I think the easiest example is J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter series. A lot of women will put the name in initials when they're talking about male characters or when they're just talking about things that publishers, for very unfortunate reasons, think they don't really have the grounds to talk about. And so I think readers wouldn't want to listen to it, you know, because it's written by a woman. So for all you who have read this book and who have probably assumed that Pony Boy was written by a man, he was not. But another interesting thing about it is when you read the book for which we have the platinum edition, um, it's published by Speak. It's a small publication that kind of does uh, interviews with authors. And in her intro, she tells us that she wrote The Outsiders, which she started as a short story, which is basically like the first few chapters of the book. And she wrote it because when she grew up in Oklahoma, there was a lot of tension between the poor kids and the rich kids there. Um, the poor kids in the outside is the book being the greasers, the rich kids being the socias, which Nelson will explain after this. But she said she wanted to write about those kids that she'd seen being jumped, one kid that she knew who got killed um, over something that she felt was trivial, right? Like people were fighting and jumping each other simply because they didn't have the same resources or the same money. And we felt that was very relatable to the message that we had in our last episode, um, talking about the house on Mango Street. So with that, we'll jump in. Just to kind of give you guys a brief description of who the greasers are and who the socias are, um, the greasers are the poor, based on where they are, they're from the east side. One of their trademarks is slick, greasy hair. And they're pretty much attributed to being the menaces to society, you know, wild gang fights, you know, all, all the bad shit you can think about, you know, straight out of the hood stereotype. The socials are pretty much, uh, for starters, they're from the West Side. They're pretty much the middle class and up, you know, lower middle all the way up to obviously high, you know, high class. Um, you know, they're always walking around with, you know, fancy Indian cotton fucking clothes and jackets and shit like that. Um, you know, one day they're like, they're considered delinquents and shit, but then the very next day, they're also considered assets to the, you know, assets to society. They come from wealth and, you know, 
probably have some more connections or definitely have more connections than uh, the greasers would. Yeah. And as like a way Pony Boy puts it, he, he says in the book, he's like, you know, he's like, I never understood why, but the socials get all the breaks and we never do. And that's something that comes up a lot. And we'll probably mention it a few times throughout the episode. But he he fixates a lot on that. He's like, it seems like no matter what the socials do, they're going to get away with it. And they're still going to go to college there, as some of them do. Um, and as his brother doesn't get to do something we'll touch on. And they just, they get to kind of flow through society, almost like a river, right? You have some traction, but it's always going to get to its end point. And that's kind of how the socials are moving through here. So the main question we're going to focus on in this book is who are the outsiders, right? That's the title of our book. So it clearly tells us that someone in this book or people, since it's plural, right? They don't fit in. And we need to figure out why they don't fit in. So again, as Nelson told us, the Greasers, they are presumably our outsiders, right? Because the Socias, their name is short for society, right? They fit into society very neatly. They have money. They're on the west side, which if you're from Chicago, they're on the north side, right? They wear the nice clothes. They can do fucked up shit, but for whatever reason, they can get away with it still. And they can still live very nicely. So our protagonist, Pony Boy, he's a greaser, and he has two brothers, Derry, who is his older brother and is kind of like a step-in father figure. And then there's Soda, who is also older, but he's kind of kiddish. Like um, him and Pony Boy have a really good relationship, but him and Derry don't, uh, which is something they fixate on a lot in the book. And he tells us that while Soda, you know, he's like, he's fun, he's kind, he's funny, like everyone likes him, he's a pretty boy. Like Derry, basically in less polite words, Derry looks like he will fuck you up. Like he's that dude when you look at him, right? He's very intimidating, he's big, he's strong, he's handsome, but he's also extremely intelligent, something that he kind of hides, probably as a means of surviving so we want to talk about that for a bit in the beginning about how the greasers kind of like fit together as a group and why um, these three brothers, Pony Boy, Soda, and Derry are part of the group. Yeah. So again, the greasers, um, let's just say the one thing that each greaser has in common without, you know, without any doubts is that they're, they're poor. That being said, major they all live in that same, pretty much the same neighborhood. Obviously, on the poverty stricken side, you know, the east side. So that's one. That's one of the big things that they all hold in common. So that is one of the reasons that uh, Pony Boy is essentially just part of the gang by affiliation, for the most part. Both of his brothers, also being greasers, um, they're orphans. Their parents died in, I believe, it was a car crash. Yeah, yeah, car accident. Yeah, so they died in a car accident. Um, they're all that they have, right? You know, they're they're like a tight pack. Now, add the rest of, you know, the greasers in the neighborhood, their friends, and, you know, I guess they would consider each other like brothers, right? That's why they're all part of that gang. They they fill in each other's blanks. They're, they're their own family. And as we jump into other characters, pretty much one of the most important characters is Ivan Ponyboy, Johnny. Um, you'll see that um, he has different situation, yet he's looking for the same thing as what I would assume all the greasers are looking for. And that's, you know, that sense of belonging and family, which is what they find and they try to normalize their situation by sticking together. And that's pretty much what defines them as the greasers. So essentially all of them are 
part of the gang with that affiliation being for the most part that, you know, they're poor from the East side and they're all looking for uh, that somewhere to belong. And why not belong with a group of people who share those same, um, same troubles and daily um, issues that you're dealing with. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it really points to, um, as, I, as Nelson said, it's a good connection, like Pony Boy and Johnny there, when you look at their circumstances, at least objectively, you see like Pony Boy, he has two brothers at home that care for him. Like Derry, he says is hard on him. And you'll see throughout the book, like whenever Pony Boy fucks up, even in the minimalist way, Derry is on his ass. Johnny, on the other hand, comes from an extremely abusive household. Uh, in the very beginning, we're told that one Johnny is jumped. He was jumped by the socials severely in a way that just completely altered the way he looked. He had gashes on his face, was bleeding everywhere. And now anytime anyone interacts with him, he's very skittish. And he also lives in a household where his parents just don't really interact with him. And when they do, it's only when they're actually abusing him, like they're hitting him physically. They're telling him they don't want him around. So he spends a lot of time at Pony Boy's house. But even still, like clearly Johnny is looking for someone to fill in that void, right, for family. And Pony Boy and his brothers, in a similar way, are doing the same because we don't really get mentioned if they were greasers before the parents died. But Pony kind of makes it seem that way by saying things like, you know, it's been tough on dairy, so we're kind of like they kind of try to stay away from home as much as they can in order not to put a strain on their brother who's having to work a job for them, right? And Soda works, but it kind of seems like he just fucks around most of the time, to be honest. Um, yeah, that was a detail we found that we found to be very relatable because at least, like fortunately for me, I never got involved in the streets much. Although there were there were definitely times when I got close to it. Like, you know, like did little shit here and there, but never like actually initiated um, into a gang and somehow got away from not doing so. Um, fortunately on my end, but there are a lot of people who get caught up in gangs and get caught up with just the wrong people, you know, running with the wrong people, even if they're not officially a part of the gang. And a lot of that is because they just, they're missing something. In some ways it could just be the poverty, right? Maybe school's not working for you. They don't really talk about school in this book, unless they're saying like, Derry, he could have gone to college, but we're the only reason he's actually here, right? If their parents would have survived, Derry would be in college. And so he's envious of the associates for that, which is something that gets brought up a lot. Like he clearly feels like he's missing out on something, but he's not willing to essentially sell out his brothers, right? But yeah, we kind of wanted to talk about that because we know at least a lot of our listeners, if you're listening again from our audience in Chicago or I mean, anyone um, who grew up in inner cities in general, like you definitely know people or maybe you are that person, you have been that person that has found yourself falling into a world and a life that you really didn't anticipate, but it, you sort of just naturally descended into. Yeah. So diving into that, I myself, while, uh, well, I was pretty much on the exact opposite of Randy spectrum. I would say that, I mean, I don't feel unfortunate to have been involved in, well, all the shit that I was involved in pretty much. Right. Um, I think at this point, while it wasn't the best, I was involved in lots of the violence. Uh, I was, uh, affiliated by lots of association, my friends everyone I hung out with. Um, you know, I was in the brawls and the fights and all that. I won't say good shit, but all that shit, right? I was involved in all that. So um but, you know, here I am at the very least, 
it offers another perspective and that's what the hell we're trying to do here. So, you know, I can relate to that where, you know, I myself was uh, deeply involved in the bullshit going on around town pretty much. And I want to touch on what they say about Johnny, how, you know, going, when we think about like Ponyboy and them, their parents, they died. And Johnny, his parents are just fucking human garbage pretty much, right? That's just what they got going for them. They're total pieces of shit. And the only time they even deal with this guy is when they're beating his ass. Yet somehow he, he's toughing himself to that. He's like immune to that shit. It's like a shield or something, you know? Whereas he gets jumped by these, you know, these socias. Mind you, they talk about it as it already happened. Like it happened before the book, pretty much. Um, so it's not like a major scene that you're going to read into, but they, they will describe it. But th- th- that being said, it fucks with them more. You know, I guess maybe it's like feeling you have no control at home, but you control yourself in the streets. Uh, you know, growing up, our parents are alive. Randy and mine, we have the same fucking parents, mom and dad. So they're both alive. They were also pretty, pretty shitty. Yeah. So pretty fucking trash. I could level with Johnny on that shit, right? Getting our ass whooped, star, whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? But that would that was like whatever, you know, that was life before before, you know, before we went our separate ways and shit with our parents or whatever, or our mom, I should say, not our dad. Our mom, before we went our separate ways with our mom, everything else fucked up, whatever, right? That wouldn't affect me the way that if some dudes hopped out on me and fucked me up, which it's happened to me a few times, how I would take it. Obviously, I wasn't skittish and shit like that, but it's still more of a pride hit. Why? Because uh, you essentially you're out there and you got to have that persona. You know what I mean? You're hard. You're in the streets. You're handling your own business. You can take care of yourself. There's also that that camaraderie. You know, you're with your with your, you're with your guys, and you find that these kids, some of them are orphans, and this is from my personal experience. Some of them are orphans, but most of them have shitty ass parents like Johnny. But all of us, we all come out, we all get together and we're all we're, we're all pretty much looking for the same thing. And essentially, we're pretty much feeling the same way. Cuz we're without parents, we're without guidance, we're figuring life out on our own if we didn't have a whole group of motherfuckers to do it with. Every now and then you got that one older brother who yeah, when you're in the hood, you just think he's a fucking asshole, right? But yeah. that's cuz he's trying to steer you clear. And then you got the rest of your brothers are fucking idiots and shit, you know what I mean, hanging out just taking you and getting into more trouble and for the most part i do think one of the one of the hugest reasons why most of us got involved in what we got involved in i would say yeah the abuse pretty much was pretty shitty but it's usually just the poverty people who aren't you know poor and shit they still deal with abuse so i'm not taking abuse away it's just they're less likely to end up in a fucking gang in the hood though i think that it's probably the the greasers yeah, I think that is clearly going to be the Greaser's defining characteristic and one of the, in my opinion, of course, and one of the main reasons why they all stick together and why they can also relate. One of the biggest things they have in common is that they're all struggling, but they're all fucking poor. I mean, that and, I mean, going off your point, right, like the poverty driving people in the gangs, I feel like a lot of people, at least who don't grow up in those settings, when you say that, they're like, well, why can't people just work, Right. That's always the first thing people say. And I'm like, of course they can work. Like, you know, but I'm like, that's that's ignoring all the other neglect that comes on, right? There are layers to this shit. Like, it's not just, oh, I am poor and I live in an abusive household. If I take him away from his abusive parents, he'll be okay. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. When you look a certain way, like the levels of discrimination that come toward you, right? For looking the way you do, for talking the way you do, dressing the way you do, walking, having the name you do. Like, I mean, it's like, right? Like Essie Hinton, she's like, 
I'm not going to get this book published if I put my fucking name as Suzanne Eloise Hinton on the cover. Nobody's going to buy that because they're not going to trust that I'm actually capable of doing this. They see that your name is Nelson Malik Santiago. I'm like, Santiago Malik? Like, nah. Like, we're not going to give this kid a chance. Like, wow, we have fucking Walter over here. He can do it. Like, and, but that's the thing. Like, there's, like, even beyond that, I think, for the greasers, like, yeah, they're poor, but again, going back to like how we define the socials or how Pony Boy did, right? He says, like, one day they're a disgrace, and then the next day they're on the cover of the newspaper, they're an asset to society. Like, these are the kids that we want in our communities, even though they just fucking jumped Johnny and busted his face open, chased him down in the car for no particular reason. You have the media neglecting you, in their case, the newspaper is constantly shitting on them, the news station is. The cops are always going after them. The socials, they ride around do whatever the fuck they want. All the social girls in the school, Pony Boy tells us, they look at him and they're like, nah, like we don't, we don't really like you. And he's like, they go out of their way to tell you that they do not like greasers. And even though they kind of have, he kind of has a relationship with a social girl in this um, that pans out interestingly after, I guess we can jump into that bit. Um, Cause it's, it's definitely related. So Johnny and Pony Boy, they go for a walk after Pony Boy falls asleep um, in this empty lot by their house. And Derry, he gets upset. He slaps Pony Boy. Pony Boy is just like, fuck it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. He tells Johnny we're running away. And Johnny's like, fuck it. I guess we're running away because I ain't taking my ass back home. We can't go back to your crib, right? Long story short, Johnny kills someone who is a soch. He kills them with a knife. You'll see the shit when you read the book, but this is an important detail. So sorry for everyone who I fucked it up for. But unless you watch the movie, yes, then you know. He So this happens, and their entire world is just thrown upside down, right? That's the entire premise of the book. And he happened, he kills a Soch, and then a Soch girl that they befriended before that winds up helping them because she realizes that the greasers are literally just being punished for being poor. And this is another thing I kind of want to focus on because no one in the story actually goes to prison, but the story one was written in the 60s and two, no one in this book is actually a person of color. And I think for seeing that our audience is people of color particularly and people in the inner city, that's something I wanted to focus on because I know for certain that anytime this happened in our neighborhood, anytime even half this happened, like if there was even a fucking hint that it might happen, people were arrested. And then there's another layer, right? Like Johnny, he gets away with this, um, more or less, right? He doesn't get arrested. What happens to him? You'll find out when you read. But Johnny doesn't face the same, the same hurdle that other people would face. And that, again, he doesn't get arrested. For me, the fact that they didn't kind of bothered me. I was sort of hoping that they would, even though like, you know, of course you're supposed to cheer for the greasers, but I wanted to see if that layer would be added so that you could see the additional measure that goes in place, right? And that's so many people of color being thrown into prison for trivial shit. I mean, one of them, of course, like, I mean, I'm sure Nelson knows plenty, but like so many people being locked up for having a fucking bag of weed you know, absurd shit. Whereas like on my college campus, I mean, kids were popping Molly, X, taking shrooms, Coke, like they took everything. And not a single person got arrested. 
except for this dude Min, who just happened to be a person of color. So yeah, I kind of wanted to talk on that point a bit because I thought that'd be I thought that was a bit interesting. I mean, well, what what do you think about how things unfolded for Johnny and Pony Boy at the end of it all, without of course giving away too many details, if possible? Without giving out the end, like he says, he pretty much gets away from it, gets away with it. Um, you know, eyes of the law. The man didn't get uh, found guilty of, of murder. You know what I mean? For starters, like he said, if it was a person of color and now some, you know, some 2020 shit, right? Or you know, anytime within the past like 10 years or so, when I was their age. And let's just take a step back for a second here. Another big issue, just to jump all the way back to us for a second, when Randy said um, that people are going to be like, well, why don't you just get a job? These motherfuckers are like 13 years old. He's like 13 or 14 or some shit, pony boy, right? He's 14. Yeah, dude. Like I was running the streets when I was like 10. So let's just look at that for a second. Uh, ain't no fucking jobs out here for that. Yeah. Even then, like, I mean, just shorties in these circumstances having to just mature at a much faster rate than kids in, I mean, what would be considered normal circumstances, right? Stable. So that, let's just add that we're poor in the streets and we're in like fifth grade and shit. So let's just, let's just throw it out there. But also all that being said, person of color, hell me or one of my friends, we're in jail. Personally, without giving out any details, because it's clearly my own life, but I've been around and I've seen some of my friends, you know, my own friends die, you know, when I'm there, they take us in and, and we're, we're like fucking suspect number one and shit. Right. Whereas if the tables were turned, They'd be asking them, hey, man, did you see anything? What's going on? Meanwhile, you know, we don't get that courtesy. I've never gotten that courtesy in my life. If a cop pops out on me, it's, it's my ass. It don't matter what's going on. Even if I'm holding a friend in my arms, it's, my, it's on me. We're guilty to them once they come out. You know, I was shot. I was shot. I remember sitting on the floor. I called the ambulance. I was pretty calm. And I wasn't the first time I got shot. Whatever, you know, I'm just chilling and shit. But I can't stand up, obviously. I was shot in my leg. So I called the ambulance. Like, where are you? I'm like, I'm right here in the exact streets, the exact fucking location. I know I've been there my whole life. It's my own neighborhood. It's right there by our school. Right. So the cops come, they hop the fence. Shit. He's looking at me. It's like, oh, you must be in one of them Latin gangs. I'm like, motherfucker, I called you. It's like, oh, well, you must have shot yourself. I'm like, man, what the, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, it's not a crime to shoot yourself, but where's the gun? I'm like, look, dude, the whole time he's grilling me. I'm in the car and shit, losing all this blood going blind down here can't see nothing i'm still arguing with this guy and he's just like oh well you must be you know you must be in one of these latin gangs right it don't matter honestly because I, I i've been attacked but that's what i mean had i had been a white guy walking through to get some fucking tacos and shit because that's what i was doing by the way i was going to get some tacos when i got shot just to point that out had i been a white guy walking through there just to get some fucking tacos i i guarantee you i wouldn't have been questioned as to whether or not i was game banging in the middle of the night by myself going to get some food but that courtesy is never extended to us. So yeah, say the outsiders is some Latin circumstances, right? You know, we're running around. Um, I say Latin because, again, our neighborhood was all Latin gangs, right? So yeah, I don't think he would have gotten away with it. I don't want to say gotten away with it, but you know, in terms of the law and shit, gotten away with it. Um, I don't see it happening. I do think in our circumstances for the you know for who we're we're trying to represent here, yeah, more likely is. Um, They'd have just got slammed for that shit, or they would have got fucking lit up somewhere by the cops as soon as they seen them. And and that's um, more like it, I would say. You know what I mean? Fucking, oh, we seen them. 
you know, he clearly he's he's clearly armed and dangerous because he killed somebody a while ago. So we shot him down. That's the kind of circumstances that I would assume for hell. If one of my friends, if they're looking for one of my friends, that's what I'm going to assume is going to happen to him. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because there's um, there is a moment in the book. I won't. Well, I'll say which character. I mean, if you all read the book, then I mean, it'll come about. If you've seen the movie, then you already know. But there's the character of Dally. His name is Dallas. They call him Dally for short. And he is, they use the acronym JD for juvenile delinquent and, or pony boy does. He fixates on how he did not like Dallas at all. He's like, dude is a hoodlum. So there's another group. There are the outsiders, there's socials, and there are the hoods, as in the hoodlums. And he always describes Dally as a hood. He's like, he is the reason why people think greasers are worse than they are. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, we kind of do fucked up shit. We have game brawls or whatever, but we're not the hoods, right? So that also shows like there's always people can't just accept that, you know, I'm in a shitty circumstance, like, you know, acknowledge the different factors that play. Like you always have to create a space for someone beneath you, right? Because no one wants to be at the bottom. So they kind of force the hoods at the bottom, even though them and the hoods have a relatively good relationship, which I found interesting. But anyway, Dallas, he's the only person in the book that I can recall that has a gun. The only person in the book that will fight, he'll, ba- he'll throw his body into anything. And he winds up getting shot and killed by the cops, which I thought was interesting. And... The way it was written, it's as though like he, I mean, Johnny, I guess, is supposed to be a martyr in a lot of ways, but it seems like Dallas was supposed to be a martyr for different reasons. Like Ponyboy kind of romanticizes it. He's like, there were no editorials about Dallas in the newspaper like they were for that social that got killed, even though that social fucking terrorized the greasers, you know, since he got into the gang. But... Dallas, he got nothing. There was no mention of him. And he pulls out the gun on the cops. And the cops kind of hesitate for a bit, but then eventually shoot him. I thought one thing that I found really interesting about this book is that, again, none of the characters in this book are people of color. Yet the circumstances seem very similar to those of people of color throughout the country in general but particularly low-income people of color. When you're, whether you're in the inner city or not, I mean, you can be in a fucking small town, all we know, in you know, middle America. But it's interesting how like, you have the layer of poverty, you have the layer of, obviously, societal neglect and that the papers, the periodicals, they just detest you. You have the police who just automatically assume that the greasers are an issue. Every time something happens, they go straight into the greasers' territory, but never into the socialist territory. We, we never even actually, aside from this one scene at the drive-in movie theater, do we actually have an interaction in the socialist territory. It always happens on the east side because the socialists know that if they book it, that the greasers will get caught for the shit, right? But yeah, I thought about, like, I thought about that a lot, how, I mean, you can open up your newsfeed just about any day and see there's probably another man of color, probably a black man being shot either by the police or as in a recent case from Maud Arbery, right? Just shot by two random white dudes who are like, well, he seems like a suspect. But it's like, why? 
Like the greasers, why do they seem like suspects? Like Ahmad Arbery, why did he seem like a suspect? Randy walking out of school, he's walking to Anthony's house. Why are the cops frisking me right now? Like, why is Nelson being fucking pummeled by the cops? Like the book kind of answers those questions in a strange way, but it only focuses on the class, right? And I guess since it's only focusing on that, we can't really deviate too far from it. But I thought it was fascinating that we were able to read, I mean, that we are able to read a book about a bunch of poor white boys who in a lot of ways go through the shit that we go through, right? In terms, at least on the class basis, and it'd be painted so clearly as an issue of class. So going along that vein, talking about issues of class and just class warfare, because she, she describes that on page 11. It says the warfare is between the social classes and the Greece is getting all the rough breaks. I, I kind of want to talk about like kind of how they cope with that. Like we've talked a lot about like all the shit that they experience, what they go through, but we haven't really talked much about their coping mechanisms. So I wanted to jump into that point. Yeah. So while it's not racism, which is what, you know, what we personally experience, um, fucking it's classism. That's pretty much what all this is about. Uh, that that's that's the focus. And for those of you who don't know what classism is, I'm sure you probably guessed it already. It's just it's prejudice against you know people of a certain social class. So you know, just like racism, but for whether or not you're rich or poor. And I just wanted to touch on that point that while it's not um, racism, this is a perfect example of how different isn't really different. Just another way to kind of learn the same lessons. Because I, upon reading the book, I can I can still relate to to them, especially I would say to Dally, which to the point that, you know, Randy mentioned, uh, pretty got pretty much got the shit under the stick. And yeah, I, I felt that one for sure. Um, obviously I didn't get shot down or nothing, but I know lots of people who have suffered that fate and you don't see much about them. Um, but we are jumping into pretty much how they cope with, with their circumstances, you know, again, take note that, um, for them, not all of them are, are children, like some of them are adults, but they're still pretty relatively young, especially Ponyboy and Johnny. Ponyboy, for being, was he like 13 or 14? He's 14, and man, this fucking guy is dangerously addicted to cigarettes. And uh, when I was 14 years old, I was doing the same shit. Uh, I was smoking fucking like two packs a day, and I was like obsessed with the fucking wood tip wine, black and miles and shit. I was smoking them all the time, dude. And that right there is Pony Boy's like go-to like coping mechanism. Any shit that pops off, it's like, fuck, man, I need to smoke to calm my nerves. And I remember that I was such I was on such high alert, running around the neighborhood, shit's popping off, people getting jumped, people getting locked up, people dying, people getting stabbed, whatever, right? And I was always like, man, let me just smoke because this shit calms me down, and it just becomes a habit. And of course, you know, cigarettes are addictive, right? But they. Yeah, that's really like their go-to. Like when shit's popping off for them, when things are going wrong, they need to smoke. And you'll find that shit's always going wrong for these fucking guys in this book. And they always need to smoke. Yeah, and even even on top of that, like there are moments where like they're also drinking. It's not a really big thing, at least not with the younger guys. Um, They talk about like the older dudes drinking, but you you do get a sense of a hierarchy. So again, kind of just, I would say that just to go back on that family point. But one thing I did think was interesting, because I personally related to this bit, is that the protagonist, Ponyboy, and, which is his actual name, by the way, it's not a nickname, 
Uh, we should have said that earlier. Soda Pop, Soda, that's his actual name. But Pony Boy is intelligent. We get that by the fact that he's narrating the entire book. Some of the shit he talks about has very deep layers in that, again, he talks very clearly about the classes. He's extremely observant about what the socials have, how they interact, how they speak, and how they kind of maneuver and manipulate their circumstances. So you can tell he's he's very much aware of everything going on around him to a critical degree. He also uses literature as an escape. So one of the first things that, I mean, him and Johnny, like Johnny tries to do it, um, but Ponyboy really kind of pushes him that way. Is Johnny just, they, they read a copy of Gone with the Wind after the murder. At least they begin reading a copy of it. And Ponyboy, when he's reading through, um, when he's reading through the story, he starts referencing certain things like certain motifs, metaphors, things like that. And Johnny tells him, he's like, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, you're really into books like that. Or he mentions a Robert Frost poem, which we'll mention in a few minutes. But he's like, you know, I didn't realize you were, you were into things like that. I didn't realize you were that smart. And he's like, well, he tells him, he's like, yeah, you know, like, I like this, I like that, whatever. But in the narration outside of the dialogue, he tells us that I can't be this person with the gang. With the gang, I have to be tough. With the gang, I have to be willing to fight. Like with them, if they want me to drink, I drink. Like when we take part in the brawls, which is another one of, it seems like they're coping mechanisms. Like they have brawls sometimes, even with the hoods, just for the sake of getting tension out, um, which kind of points to right, like the violence occurring as a means of even like beyond physical release, emotional release, right? Like violence doesn't occur out of fucking happiness. Like you don't hit someone because you're happy. You hit someone because you're tense, because you're upset, because you're anxious, right? But they go to literature as a means of escape, which I thought was fascinating. Um, one, because I did that, but I also very much like veiled it. Um, I only read at home. I wasn't dumb enough to read at school. If I would have read at school, I would have gotten my ass whooped. Um, I, I mean, I got into my fair share of fights just because I was either reading at school or they saw me as being kind of like the bookish kid in class, right? Or Randy is the nerd in class. So therefore, you know, Randy's soft. Right. And this is another thing that comes up in the book, the idea of hardness versus softness, hardness, hearkening back to like you're capable of dealing with all this shit. Right. And like Nelson said earlier, on the streets, you have to have complete control, not not only over yourself, but of how you're perceived by other people. Like if they see you, if there's even like a, a faint glimpse of you potentially being soft, an idea that you might not be hard, you might not be down with the shit, right? Then you have a problem on your hands and it's always going to come back to you. Like, even if it's not a big issue, you don't get your ass whooped in that moment. You don't get jumped. It's like time after time again, people are going to come back. They're like, you know, we can't really trust him because you know he's soft, right? And it's going, it's one of those things that's going to haunt you for a long time. So he kind of hides the fact that he's in the literature and doesn't tell anyone about it. Not even Johnny, who's basically like a fucking brother to him. Right. And then they both experience this murder at the same time and they both run away together. And there's a quote that he shares, uh, Pony Boy, if I can recall it correctly, I have the page reference and it's on page 78. Pony, he's talking about his appreciation of nature, right? They're kind of like outside of where they're hiding out um, after the murder. He recites a Robert Frost poem and which ends with it after descriptions of nature that nothing can stay gold forever. And the most famous line of this book 
is stay gold pony boy which is the last thing that johnny tells pony boy and i kind of wanted to get nelson's opinion first before we close out in this detail of what he he got from johnny telling pony to stay gold what he thinks he meant by that yeah so for starters to touch on just to kind of have a whole overview of this really quick um you know like what randy was saying like you got to have control like how you're perceived and all that um you know about being tough and how uh pony boy just can't really um talk about this kind of shit around his you know around his people you know reading and shit like that i personally i mean i wasn't reading or nothing in secret or in person um but i also didn't really frown upon it and i was always willing to engage in discussion in school i mean i didn't do much but i damn sure like to talk about some shit you know i thought it was interesting i'd pay attention you know what i mean but uh, i was also one of those people who uh yeah i was fighting all the fucking time like you know yeah i i, I was really a part of the you know yeah. you gotta let motherfuckers know you're really down for whatever whenever it needs to happen you know that's who that's what i was on you know if you're trying to like find a way to like think okay the greasers or, you know, the poor, but the hoods or the hoodlums. Um, like, if you're trying to find a way to kind of, like, separate those two, think about it like this. You know, for those of you who uh, got a lot of friends who are in gangs, right? You're one of those people who was, like, affiliated yeah. just because you're friends with gang members, right? You know, you hang out, you play ball with them and shit. Yeah, I'll probably smoke or some shit, you know? Some normal shit, some casual shit. But your friends are the motherfuckers who are out there fighting motherfuckers and shit that, you know, what you say is they're with the shit, right? They're really out there getting into all kinds of fucking trouble. Well, those motherfuckers would be the hoods. And you yourself would be a greaser. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah. That, that um, I think that's important just to throw that out there. Um, back to the state gold reference. Um, I do believe that in the book, and I might be wrong here, guys. So you guys are going to have to read and correct me on that if I'm wrong. But I think he says what he means or Ponyboy says what he thinks he means about when he said that. Right. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. I don't really remember word for word. So I'm not even going to throw that out there. But when he's saying stay gold, um, shit, I don't even remember much of the poem. But I do remember like the the general feel of it. Again, it was like the appreciation of nature. And it was kind of like taking yeah. it through like from beginning to end within this conversation here i think it's just kind of if you if you if you want to focus on how pony boy's talking about how he can't um talk about these kind of things around his people and stuff like that so you know he got to put that persona up and he probably doesn't nurture that um i don't know what the fuck is it um passion let's just use passion like his his passion and desire to learn and study literature and stuff like that he he's not honing in on that connection because he's out there you know trying to let motherfuckers know that He'll show up to the fight and stuff like that, and he's really with it, right? Yeah, ask me if he, he's he's telling him to stay gold. Um, it would be to continue to nurture that, to keep that, to keep that alive, to stay gold. You know what I mean? Because this again is just my personal opinion. Uh, despite of what um, the book says, it's like all right, they're pretty much living in the shit, and right now he, that's his escape, literature, you know, poetry and shit like that. It's a whole new world. It's beautiful to him, and you want to keep that alive. You want to keep that fresh. Uh, essentially stay gold um people shit the guys in the hood they're like um stay up sell that to people all the time right before you leave be smooth be smooth let's use that one right i i feel like that's the same thing we're telling everybody just you know you know just be cool with it you know what i mean like keep it up 
because everything's down. Like um, he says, we never get any breaks. And I just think that's what it is, personally, in my opinion. Like, I think it's just to keep that alive. That's gold for them because that's the escape, right? From all the bullshit they got going on, for him, it's that literature. It's to stay gold. Just keep with it. Yeah, just building on that, like, just staying, I mean, just staying true to who the fuck he is, right? Like, he can try all he wants. And I think Johnny was definitely supposed to be, like, an example of an innocent kid who did not want to be in the gang. I mean, he clearly didn't want to be there. Anytime some shit popped off, like he was, you know, he was the first one to get shaky. But of course, you know, when he had to kill dude, he killed dude. And I mean, ultimately that's something that just stained his image forever. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's really like hearkening back to that. Like you, you can fall into the cycle of this and you can just continue it over and over. And, you know, and, and in Johnny's case, like, you know, you can get fucked like me, wind up accidentally killing somebody and then you're stuck in it forever, right? Like you're going to be on the run or people are just going to associate that with you. And so you're always going to be a target, right? And even in like Pony's case, very similar to um, our first episode with the house on Mango Street and that Esperanza, right? She's coming back and she's telling all these different stories about Mango Street to readers. Um, Pony, he it's revealed that he he's clearly the narrator of the book. We know that. It's a first-person narration. But when you get to the end of the book, you realize that the last paragraph of the book is the first paragraph of the book, right? Like there's it comes full circle. And that Pony is writing about these experiences um, as part of a school project in order to make up for a grade, I believe he said. And it seems like in a lot of ways, like his staying gold is even maybe he's not completely removing himself from the gang, but he is creating a venue for them to see themselves differently, right? And that the media is always reporting about them negatively. And the socials are always going to shit on them. And he just admits at the end, he's like, you know, we're never, we're never going to get the breaks that they do. And we're never going to beat them for that reason. So I think in some ways, like maybe he's like, once he comes to acknowledging that and once Dally is gone and once Johnny goes through what Johnny goes through, like he realizes that we just got to do something differently. Right. And in his case, it's like, well, if literature is something that calls out to me from fucking quoting Robert Frost, then maybe I should go back to this, right? And he writes a complete book about the circumstances. I mean, I think that was that's a nice connecting point. And that again, going off our our last episode, just speaking on how there are all these different avenues from which you can express these things about yourself, right? And we'll see in our um, next episode. We have at least one story where. Um, the protagonist is writing about what's going on, right? Some fucked up shit that's happening. Um, but just looking at how in a lot of ways, there's just so many people that don't really feel like they can express themselves in that regard. And that's why I appreciate with, in our last book, you didn't really get it, but this one, you have Pony explicitly telling you, like, I can't do this because they wouldn't accept me anymore. Like he's so concerned that he might not be accepted by his people anymore. So he just isn't willing to actually do what makes him comfortable and talk about the things that make him comfortable. And for me, that was extremely relatable. Um, even now, I mean, you know, like, and the house, what I'm saying, and I'm the only person of color there. So like, wow, 
like we I get along with people. They're just there are only so many things that you can talk about, right? And after a while it gets to the point where you're like, you know, am I actually being myself anymore? So it's something to consider, right? Like there are different me, I write every day, at least I try to, but there are ways that we can try to find avenues there. Um and I mean, as Johnny told our homie Pony Boy, how to stay gold, right? You gotta stay true to what's working for you. And I mean, just what even beyond what makes you happy, just what keeps you sane, right? Like obviously the literature kept them sane, like up until the last moments together, Johnny and Pony Boy were reading Gone with the Wind, right? So, you know, you can find your avenues through these things and you shouldn't feel ashamed for them. Yeah, a few things I wanna touch on. We zeroed in pretty much on the on degreasers perspective here um because it's best to stick with what we know right and by that i i haven't been able to kind of associate anything with the socials but i i wanted to bring up one point that you'll find throughout the book is that pony boy realizes to an extent of course that and it's something that i think is extremely important to the whole premise of the show is that um cherry vance right valent valence yeah, well, her name's Cherry for sure. She's a social girl, right? Not to dive too deep into it, but the point is that she tells something to Pony Boy that he doesn't necessarily believe right then, but towards the end, it goes full circle and he starts to believe what she's saying. And she says it that socials don't just have it easy, too. Socials have their own problems. And that, you know, pretty much it's not all sunshine and rainbows over there. And essentially, it's just to be to point out that everybody has their own shit going on. They all have their own demons and everybody's struggling somehow, some way. Aside from that, you know, like Randy said, it's the same thing kind of like in Mango Street um, and with Pony Boy, um, how I think they mentioned in Mango Street, just not to jump too far back into that. You could just listen to that episode, but where they say how like, uh, you know, she went to college or she started reading books or some shit and now she yeah. doesn't like us anymore. Essentially, they said that about some girl who's like reading or some shit like that, right? Now, jump into here. Ponyboy's having that same thing where he just, you know, he kind of, he can't talk like that with his guys because it'll alienate him. The quite what we try to, what we've been discussing this whole time is who are the outsiders? My personal opinion, uh, what I got from this book, pretty much, okay, watching the movie, I watched this shit a long time ago. I clearly, I was just watching it. Of course, it's like, yeah, the greasers, they're the outsiders. It's them. Fuck the socials, right? Like that's that's just that's the premise of the movie, if you ask me, right? Like fuck them. Yeah, we don't fuck with them, right? But I'm reading this book, right? And if you ask me, the outsiders, I, I would say there's two outsiders amongst the greasers. And it's really got not too much to do with the socials. And, and this is my personal opinion, of course. We'll focus on uh the first one being dairy. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking when you were talking about like outsiders within the yeah, outsiders, like he's, very definitely. He's one of the real outsiders, and and they reference in the book. And trust me, they don't get into too great detail, so it's nothing crazy. But it's a, it's a good point to uh, focus on is the fact that the only reason that he's a greaser is because of his brothers. Because if if he would have just said fuck it, they could figure it out on their own after their parents died, he'd have been a soch, right? Because he'd have been up there already, college. He'd have had a decent job. He'd have moved on over to the west side and shit. So that being said, that makes him an outsider because everyone knows, including him, of course, that he doesn't need to be a greaser. And then the most obvious one of them all, right? It's fucking Pony Boy, right? Pony Boy, I would say, in my opinion, is obviously the the 
top of the line outsider, right? Um, one, he, he can't discuss any of this literature and shit like that with, with his people. He's clearly one of the smarter ones. Yeah. You know? He's also one of the few who's making the comparison between the socials and the greasers and not like, fuck them, they got money, but really looking into, you know, considering that they might have their own issues. He's um, the only one who can, um, one of the only ones who considers that, you know, maybe not all socials are bad after talking to what's her name, Cherry. He also, of course, um, you know, he starts trying to, you know, the end of the book, which is the beginning of the book, the same thing is he's writing their story. And it's essentially giving us the inside scoop from an outside perspective. That's what I feel like the book is like he's writing it and it's like the inside story, but it has like that fresh outsider perspective because he's never actually, he's not a hood by no means. He's not a hood. And that's what everybody considers for the most part, the greasers to be except for the greasers who separate themselves. And so I feel like, yeah, I feel like those are the two outsiders him because he's poor. Right. And if you ask me, that's, pretty much the only reason that he's a greaser straight up just by association. The fact that he lives there and that he's broke, he's definitely not a hood. He's, he's no, um, Dally, you know, he's not a JD. That's the answer. My answer for that is them. They're the outsiders and they're the outsiders within the outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Um, I mean, it's like we were talking about like the idea of being affiliated by association, right? And even, I mean, I think Derry is in a lot of ways for me, like the most just, I mean, I don't, obviously not the most tragic example, Johnny, Dally, like they are very tragic examples, but Derry in that he had everything lined up for him, right? They tell us that he was a football star, that he was a star student. He was on the honor roll. Like he had a very clear line, a clear path to go to college and to just escape, right? Because Johnny says when they're on the run, he's like, you know, it's the first time I've actually left our neighborhood, which is also something very relatable, right? Like the idea of like, this is just it. Like we're here within like a fucking four block radius and we're not getting out of here. But yeah, Derry just never, after their parents died, just never actually had a chance. It's like, you're going to work two jobs, maybe three to support your brothers. And then- after that, like, you know, maybe you can do something for yourself. But in in this case, like, he's just trying so hard to keep his brothers from self-destructing and, you know, his, I mean, his homies in general from ruining their lives that he just doesn't, he doesn't really have a chance. So I think, you know, in, in his case, like, we don't know anything about him, like, from his own perspective. As Pony Boy, we know he likes literature and shit, but we never really know if Derry makes these connections because he's so busy just slaving away to support the family. So for me, that's he's just always been the most tragic and unfortunate example because it just shows that, like, we, I mean, you can look at it now. There's so many people in these communities with potential, but like one little thing can completely, you know, just turn their life upside down. And then from there, you just have to work with what you got and hope that who knows, maybe 10 years from now you can make something happen. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's definitely tragic. The situation with dairy. Again, I do believe one of the main reasons why uh, it's easier to like make that connection with pony boy is obviously because it's from his perspective, but that's another, that's why I feel like a perfect way. 
if someone asked me like how how would you explain uh the narrative for the outsiders then i would say you know it's the inside scoop from an outside perspective which obviously sounds like how do those two correlate but it's because pony boy was in the mix but he's not thinking the same way that they are so when you're looking at it from his eyes it's it's different you know what i mean he's the outsider in amongst that group and him being an outsider amongst them he notices that in dairy like clearly dairy doesn't belong here and everyone knows it and that is pretty much as 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 deep as it goes for dairy you know what i mean every it, it as deep as it goes for him in the book of course is that it's just acknowledged that he's only there because of them and you pretty much have to figure the rest out yourself but being from where we're from we see this all the time which is why it's pretty much just one sentence but it resonates. Probably one of the strongest uh, and most relatable sentences for us is that one, if you think about it. Because how many, you think dairy and you could think a shit ton, of, you know a shit ton of dairies yourself. And it's just how it is because that's where we're from. Yeah. I think it's a good point to close off on. Um, but again, you all who are listening, you should definitely read this book. Because again, it's, it's just one of those books that I feel like you can relate to regardless of, I mean, really any societal factors, right? Regardless if you're rich or poor or in the middle class, regardless if you're black, white, Latino, Asian, I feel like it's extremely relatable in that there is, it's a clear underdog story. Um, and just, you know, a group of boys really no mothers in sight, no parents in sight, just really trying to guide themselves through some really fucked up situations. Um, but yeah, this is the end of episode two. Um, be sure to like, comment, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Homies of Lit. Shout out to our brother Nico for mixing and editing our audio, um, and also for coming up with our original score. Um, he's doing all that for us, so we're very appreciative of that. So yeah, I'm your co-host, Randy. Yeah, and it's Nelson Santiago signing out.